Hey, what's going on, guys? I'm Blair. And I'm Ethan. And welcome to... The Sooner Hour. So this is big episode four. Uh, I'm glad you guys have stayed tuned with us. This week uh, has been crazy. Uh, first, we can start off with the Western Carolina game that me and Ethan were both at. It was a great experience for me. I'm sure it was for Ethan as well. Oh my god, you have no idea. Uh, easily top three in my life. So we got to sit in the student section around the 10-yard line, right next to the band. And it being 9-11 and everything, we got to see the jet fly over. We got these cool, uh, what would you call them, Ethan? The Boomer Sooner. Oh, um, it's like little banners. Like you can open it up and as Boomer, and on the other side, Sooner. Uh, I would say they're like little banners. Yeah, and it had like the American flag striped on it. It was really cool, yes, really cool memorial. Yeah, thank you for that, OU. I don't know who I need to thank, but thank you for that. It was yeah, really and awesome. Yeah, and to the band as well. They had a concert for oh my gosh. It was amazing. Yeah, hey, Lindsay, I know you're listening. You did great, sweetie. So there we go. So now we can talk about the game itself. A 76 to zero victory. Um, they looked amazing. Oh my God. You have no idea. Like, they looked like the number two team in the nation, which they were. Yeah. And um, I know it's against Western Carolina. People are going to think, oh, it's just a lousy little team, but it's a win. And a win at that margin yeah, is a lot. It, it's not just because it's over Western Carolina. It's the fact that this game really showcased the entire team. It showcased the defense and how great they can be. It showcased the offense and how freaking amazing they are and how they're a top three offense in the nation right now. Um, It was just a showcase game, and they balled out the whole time. They even had to condense the fourth quarter because of how bad they were beating them. Yeah, they took off three minutes in the fourth quarter, made it 12 minutes. Um, you would not think the week before we had a close game against Tulane. You would not think this team that played Saturday night had a close game against Tulane the week prior. No. No. And, I like, speaking of Tulane, I don't want to talk about it too long, but Tulane scored 69 points in their game. Nice. So, Yeah, against Morgan I, State, <laughs> I mean, it's not, like, a huge win. Um, but still, they scored 69 points on a team. And Michael Pratt uh, threw for two touchdowns, but he was not the leading passer. It was their freshman, Justin Ibieta. Um We saw him coming against Oklahoma for a little bit, throw a couple passes, but he threw two interceptions against a pretty not great uh, Morgan State defense, so that should worry no. some Tulane fans. I was impressed with Michael Pratt, um, but apparently they saw something in that game that they just wanted to take him out. But Tulane's not a horrible team. They just won 69-20. to 20. Yeah, they they played really good. There's that. So now we can get to some of the stats for OU. Um, Of course, starting with Spencer. 20 for 26, 243 yards, five touchdown passes. I mean, what else can you ask for? I mean, this is all in the first half, too. Like, he threw five touchdowns. 243 yards. Uh, I, Spencer looked freaking phenomenal, like the Heisman favorite. He looked good. Now, this is not taking away anything from Spencer, but I was amazed with Caleb Williams. I I was 
as soon as I saw him step on the field, I mean, you saw me. Yeah. I looked at you and started freaking out like a little girl because I saw Caleb Williams. I saw number 13 in the huddle, and I was like, oh, my God, are they sending Caleb Williams out? And sure enough, Caleb Williams came onto the field and started playing, and I freaked out. I was pumped out of my mind. He looked incredible. His accuracy was amazing, and his rushing. I mean, four rushes, 60 yards, 15 average. Yeah, he broke out for that long run. He looked great. And that just shows the future of Oklahoma is bright. Yes. It's very bright. And then we got to see Ralph Rucker. I had not heard of him before he came in. Um, no. no. <laughs> I didn't know. I guess he's our third string quarterback. I guess um, you could say that. The chick in front of us was like, I guess his name is Ralph Rucker. And I was like, yeah, I guess so. And he went yeah. two for two for 20 yards. So, uh, I, I, Listen, I was squinting the whole time. I was like, who is he? Yeah. I, had no, I had no idea. I knew that we had a transfer from Penn State and I knew of a couple others but they honestly could have threw out Gabe Burkich and yeah. he probably would have threw for 50 yards yeah so now we get into rushing what we asked for last week was for Eric Gray to come out and show us what all the hype is about he did just that nine carries for 74 yards as long as was 18 I, and it does amazing amazing on <clears throat> on this podcast, but when you watch his performance and highlights and stuff like that, he's so smart. His like IQ is incredible. Uh, he was so much fun to watch and I cannot wait to watch him roll over this Nebraska defense. Yeah, he was fun to watch, but my favorite to watch and Ethan's also, I'm sure Jaden Knowles. Oh my I God. Mean, the weather man, the weather man becoming one of my favorite players, possibly my favorite player on the Sooners. He, the little celebration he had, oh my god. I don't know it's, why. I love it yeah, so much. I love it as well. He had four rushes, 37 yards, two touchdowns, and then came in and got two receptions for 65 yards and was the leading receiver on the team. Yeah, he, Jay Knowles killed it, and I hope they play him more because he really <laughs> showcased himself in this game. Yeah. And then Kennedy Brooks came in, six carries, 48 yards. I mean, eight average. You can't ask for much better. I mean, they did not really need Kennedy Brooks at all this game. Yeah. I mean, we had seven different rushers. Todd Hudson came in with two touchdowns, Mm -hmm. fourth string running back. Jeremiah Hall had a rush for six yards. Spencer Ryler at four for 29. Caleb Williams broke up that big run. Uh, Jaden Knowles, uh, the play I'm thinking of, uh, I think it was a was it a screen pass the one I'm thinking of where he broke for like sixty yes, yards. So. Oh my god! The whole student section stood up and was freaking out. Like that energy is just unmatched. Yeah, the energy in the student section was crazy. I mean, against the Western Carolina team as well, I expected people to be like, "Oh, we don't really want to go to this one. This is the weekend we go home and see our families." No, it yeah. was packed. And I'm expecting yeah, that uh, Nebraska. We already know that's going to be packed. 50th anniversary of the game of the century. We'll get into that later. But we have Big 12 games, and I already know it's going to be packed. And it was just a great atmosphere. Oh, my gosh. The the seats, thank – oh, my God, they were amazing. We were so close to the field. Yeah, I loved it. Receiving, it was just like a mixed bag. So many receptions this game. 
so many different players. <laughs> There's so many. Some of There's... them I have no idea who they even are. No. Uh, Cody Jackson was one that I think was activated off the injury list, and he came out and yeah, he had a, a, yards. Yeah, he had a great showing. Um, let's look down this list. Uh, Jackson Sumlin. I had no idea <laughs> yeah, who that, I don't know who that was. is. I was really disappointed though. I wanted to see more Drake Stoops, and I don't know if they were just holding him back because yeah, of we saw injury. more second half. And he only had one reception for 13 yards. I mean, he looked good in that reception, but still, I wish we would have gotten more of him. Yeah, looking at the score, it's very weird. We it was 76 to zero, but players like Marvin Mims only had one reception. Jeremiah Hall had one. Jaden Hazelwood had four, but only for 19 yards. It just when you look at it, the stockpile of yards doesn't look that much when you look at a specific player. But as you go down the list and add it all up, it's just a ton of yards. Yes, um, 624 to be exact. <laughs> 624 yards. They hung 76 points on them, and Western Carolina could not answer for them. They had zero points. They shut them out, and I loved it. I loved every second. I stayed the whole time. And I even stayed past the game to watch the Pride of Oklahoma have their post-game concert. Uh, the Pride played great. The Sooners played great. It was just a great Saturday for OU football. Yeah, sitting next to the Pride of Oklahoma, you can hear all like the band members and their chants and everything. They really get into it. And oh they my make God. the atmosphere just even better. I honestly I would love to sit next to the Pride of Oklahoma every time because they're into it just as much as we are. Yeah, and they had a like a yellow flag that they would hold up and yell at the refs. Yes. They are just as excited as all the fans are. And you know, back at home we're used to saying push, push it. Yeah. Uh at college it's not push it. It's a little uh It's a little different. Yeah, it's you a say, little different. When you say push it, you're trying to make it kind of like sound like something else. No, here in college, you say it. Yep, you uh, say it. Uh, you, they don't hold back. Uh, something we was, had to learn while we were there. Yeah, it was definitely a shock to hear the actual term. And, uh, man, I welcomed it because it was a yeah. lot of – it made me laugh. I, I loved it. And just a little funny stat. Um, Western Carolina against OU had more yards rushing than Clemson did against Georgia. Yep. So, a little fun tidbit for you. Clemson sucks. Oh my Boomer god, Sooner. I can't. I, I cannot believe Western Carolina has more rushing yards in this game than Clemson did Week One. That is crazy to me. Now this is one Ethan talked. This is before we even went to college. This was high school. Ethan was telling me about this guy, and we got to see him in action. Ethan Downs. Yes, I was telling everyone when he signed. I was like, watch out for him, and. That one play he had in the fourth quarter where the uh, the quarterback was being stupid. I don't yeah, understand what he I was. I do not know what he was doing. I don't know if he was trying to, like, sometimes they do that little jog to, like, catch a defender off guard. But he did it, stopped, did it again. It made me feel like he was showboating and trying to yeah, score on Yeah, probably they had him. their first uh, rush over so, five yards. Yes, and he... I don't understand the decision there because Ethan Downs came in right behind him, punched that ball right out. It was yeah. a beautiful defensive play, and I cannot wait to see him in more games. Another play that we got to watch right in front of our eyes, one of the coolest plays I've seen in a while, Tyrese Robinson. 
Oh, so, gosh. Number 53 for the Western Carolina defense, Caleb Fisher. So, Caleb Fisher is hands to the face, pushing up Tyrese Robinson's face mask. And talking and, smack. And talking, talking smack. smack. And Tyrese is like, okay. He lines up in the next play, points at Caleb Fisher, the linebacker, right in the face. He stands there. Every, <laughs> like, the rest of the defenders are – I'm sorry. The rest of the line is, like, down in the stance, ready to go. Tyrese is still standing up, looking at him, just not saying anything, just sta- standing there, staring at him, pointing – and oh my God! <laughs> the ball gets snapped, Ooh. and Tyrese pushes him five yards back and pancakes him, lays and, on top oh of him, goodness, and crawls over him, nuts in his face. And oh man! <laughs> he got up, talked his crap, and oh, he let him, he let him know who the big daddy was. Yeah, and it was uh, so sick. Well, the best part was is the next play. Uh, uh, 53 went over to the other side of the line and didn't even yeah, go there. He did not line up against Tyrese Robinson again. Probably no. a good decision. Yeah. God, it, it was beautiful. That pancake. Oh my gosh. I couldn't even watch the rest of the play. I was just watching Tyrese Robinson that whole time. Yeah. And it was so cool. But that's about it for the Western Carolina game. I mean, you see the score. You don't really need to know this day. You know OU dominated from start to finish. I... I got to say before we get off this, I this is exactly what I wanted. And I believe I even joked this was total bite like I was just joking. I said something like and maybe this was off the air, but I said if OU doesn't win by 70 points, um I'm going to be a Texas fan. Well, uh looks like I'm not a Texas fan and looks like I'm going to remain a Sooners fan. And what a great way to get us into our next topic, Texas mm-hmm. Arkansas. Oh my God! You uh, guys suck. Oh, it was beautiful. We you didn't even get to watch suck. it because we were watching. Oh, you hang seventy six on them. Yes. But let but, me tell you, when they announced that Texas had lost to Arkansas, the stadium erupted. They went crazy. Even like when they were doing like game recaps and they were talking about scores, they went through the list and everyone was waiting for the Texas one. And as soon as it showed Arkansas versus Texas, and it had. Texas losing, the entire stadium was yeah. freaking out. It was awesome. Oh my! There were so many horns, downs everywhere. It was. It was, it was a beautiful. It was sight. so nice. And you know, on Twitter, you see Texas fans like, "Oh, how was that about that Tulane game? How about all that?" Yeah. And it's just really come back to bite you, huh? Mr. Yep. Hudson Card, eight for 15, 61 yards. What a performance! Casey Thompson, 5 for 8, 57 yards, just really showed up against Arkansas. Yeah, they just balled out, you know. They beat a unranked – oh, I'm sorry. They didn't beat an unranked SEC team. I, oh, I, I, I don't – smile on my face just, just talking about it. And we even said we wanted this upset. We didn't think we would get it, but boy, does it feel good to know that they upset Texas, who everyone was saying that Texas was back this year because of <laughs> Hudson Card, uh, Steve I, – I, I'm going to butcher his last name – Sarkeesian? Steve Sarkeesian, I believe, right? Yeah. They they were saying that this was their year. They're going to win the Big 12, upset OU, go to even the college football playoffs. Look at you now. You lost to an unranked Arkansas Razorbacks team. That's probably going to dominate you every year when we join the SEC. So, see we pig. You got to meet an SEC opponent this week. And, well, 
Get ready for more years of this. Yep. It's going to be years and years of that right there. But Arkansas, really surprising. K.J. Jefferson, 138 yards. He threw an interception. Nah, but, not too bad. I mean, at least he threw something. Hudson Card and Casey Thompson didn't throw a touchdown or an interception. What yeah. were they doing the whole time? I don't know. But rushing, Traylon Smith, 12 carries, 75 yards. K.J. Jefferson, quarterback, had 10 rushes for 73 yards. So that's huge. And then they had three other rushers, A.J. Green, Raheem Sanders, and Dominique Johnson all had a rushing touchdown. Yes. So they killed Texas on the ground. They, Yeah, they didn't have an answer for him, obviously. I mean, it's pretty bad when your backup quarterback almost has as many rushing yards as your five-star star, star uh, B. John Robinson. He had 19 carries for 69 yards, just one touchdown. He only broke for a 20-yard gain. Um, I don't understand. Your backup quarterback comes in, throws almost as many yards as your starting quarterback. He threw for five. He threw five for eight, 57 yards, zero touchdowns, zero interceptions. I mean, what are you doing, Texas? As well, Casey Thompson has been announced the new starter. For Texas, it, and I, I was shocked when I heard uh, Hudson Card. Hudson Card, yeah. So all I you was, heard about in preseason was Casey Thompson. This guy's gonna change Texas. And nope. Which I don't know when he was subbed in, but it doesn't look like it was enough to even get them a score. Yeah. Only five for eight, fifty-seven yards, zero touchdowns, zero interceptions. I mean. There's not a whole lot you can do. Right he did now. all his work on the ground. He did have two rushing touchdowns. Um, I'm guessing those came in the fourth quarter or third because they did not score in the first half. They so didn't they score until did the second half. But, yeah. To, to see when we were sitting in the stands uh, and to look on our phones and see Arkansas 16, Texas 0, it was oh. just a great night. It made that night even better. Yeah. And what's the other thing? Dicker the kicker missed his <laughs> field goal. Oh god, that feels so good to say. Yeah. I hate, I hate this Texas team. I, I hate them so much. And to see them fall so hard from grace, it just brings a smile to my face. I'm so glad. Now they go play Rice next week. Oh, that'll be an interesting one. Yeah. Can we- <laughs> Next, um, we can talk about the game we did get to watch together. Me and Ethan woke up early in the morning. We were pumped to watch it. Oregon-Ohio State. And what did I say? (laughs) I said to everyone, watch out. This Oregon team could upset Ohio State. I predicted on the podcast. You can listen to it in episode three. I said it. Or maybe it's episode two. I said it. I I thought we did. No, it was episode two. Yeah. Yeah. No, I said it in that one. I said, I'm taking Oregon, and I called it. I I had a feeling, and I called it. This was such a fun game to watch. The whole whole time, every minute of it, like, you could not turn away from it. Um, it, The final score, Oregon 35, Ohio State 28. Um, CJ Stroud had a better performance this week than he did against Minnesota. He threw for... uh, 484 yards with 35 uh, completions against uh, 54 attempts had three touchdowns and one interception. 
I don't know if it is super impressive just to like it obviously is stat wise just to listen to it it sounds really impressive but watching it live it was more of just little passes like really short five ten yard passes that could have broke for 20 or 30 or 40 um he didn't really impress me he hasn't yet for me i don't know what it was because i just saw this and i'm just kind of amazed that he threw for 484 because in the game it doesn't look like it it did not look like it it didn't but when you have chris olave who is supposed to be considered the greatest receiver of this uh this football season and you have garrett wilson both of those like they had over 100 yards um receiving and even uh jackson smith i'm not gonna say his last name because i know i'm gonna butcher it um he had almost 150 yards receiving yeah i mean when you have all these five-star four-star recruits around you and they can go and make plays that for catch it at the like for five yards and then rush for 50 it's not that impressive to me that your quarterback is throwing little screen passes and bubbles the whole time. It's just not impressive. What is impressive was Oregon's quarterback, Anthony Brown. Who was a Boston College transfer who – am I am I correct on saying he lost two seasons because he was injured? I believe you are. I Yeah, I think so. Um, he put on a clinic. He threw for 236 yards, two touchdowns. And he doesn't have the weapons that C.J. Stroud has. Mm. He, uh, I'll tell you who really, really impressed yep. me. C.J. Vertel. No. Yeah. Oh, my God. He had 20 carries, 161 yards, two touchdowns. And his longest run was 77 yards. That play was beautiful. The blocking from Oregon's O-line. Oregon's O-line is really underrated. Yeah, they were really good. Oh, my God. They were going up against a really good Ohio State defensive line. And, man, they looked good. It's either they looked really good or Ohio State's defense is not as good as it has been in the past because Minnesota's uh, running back, who did have a great year last year or the year before, he looked fen- he looked like a first-round draft pick against them. Yeah, he looked great. Mo Ibrahim rushed all over the Ohio State defense. And now we have C.J. Verdell, who also rushed all over the Ohio State defense. So I think something's got to change in the defensive meetings or something. Yeah, it's embarrassing. It's, I mean, not embarrassing to me because I love seeing Ohio State fail because I hate Ohio State. But to see, like, a really good team that's ranked number three to give up that, mu- that many yards, that many points, I mean, it's disappointing. And now we have Oregon sitting at the number four spot. Yes. And me and Blair were talking about this after we got out of the OU game. We were saying, uh, well, there's a lot that happened this weekend. So how do you rank these teams? You have Oregon who upset the number third ranked team in the nation. And, I mean, we can segue into this now. You have Iowa who upset and spanked Iowa State. Oh, my God. Another beautiful one. This was also one that everyone was saying, Iowa State, it's this, this is their year. 
they're going to be OU. They're going to win the Big 12 championship. They're going to go to the college football playoffs. And I even said it. I said that this would be the year that the Big 12 has two teams in the CFP. And I'm willing to admit when I'm wrong, but uh, this one really hurts to be wrong about. But, man, does it feel good to see another Big 12 team get upset. Yeah, and Brock Purdy, uh, a lot of people were high on him, said he was really, really good. I mean, I don't disagree. I think he's a good quarterback. Oh, yeah. But against Iowa, he was not. Three interceptions, <laughs> only 138 yards. He Just, had a total total QBR of 16.2. Yeah, that's horrible. That is one of the worst QBRs I've ever seen. Now, uh, Iowa's quarterback, Spencer, he – I'm not going to try and say his last name. I, I know I'll butcher that as well. Um, he didn't put on a good, great performance either. He only had 11 uh, completions for 21 attempts, 160 yards, one touchdown. I mean, this really was a battle of defenses, and mm-hmm. – I guess Iowa just has the better defense and the slightly better offense. Yeah, we had to leave watching this game to go to the OU game. Uh, we got to see about the first half, I'd say. Um, yes. That was when it was still a pretty close game. It was 14-10 at half. And Iowa State was winning from the first quarter. I mean, they put up a field goal. It wasn't huge. Yeah. But then after that, Iowa ran away with it. Yep, 14 points in the second quarter. Uh, Iowa State didn't score at all in the third. Iowa had... 10 more points, uh, and they scored a field goal in the fourth with Iowa only, I'm sorry, Iowa State only scoring uh, a touchdown. Yeah. That one, uh, they have Iowa at five now, which me and Ethan, after the OU game, we already talked about this. We uh, got it correct. We said Iowa would be five, Oregon four. Yes. And that's exactly what happened. Yeah. Uh, we were talking, and this is what I was kind of segueing into. We were talking, um, it's really tough to rank these teams because you have Notre Dame who barely beat Toledo. Um, you have A&M who barely beat Colorado. Um, you have all these teams that barely win. Do they fall? What like OU beat Tulane by five points and fell two spots. So what do you do with these teams that win by a field goal? And especially with Notre Dame who beat uh, Florida State only by a field goal, only beats Toledo by a field goal. Why are you in the top 10? Why? why? Yeah, exactly. And now Florida State falling to 0-2 makes that win look even less impressive. Yes. And we don't even have to talk about the Notre Dame-Toledo game. You can just tell by the names of these teams. If anyone could tell me where Toledo is, that'd be great. (laughs) I'll Um, give you a cookie. Yeah. So only winning by three against them, I don't think they should be in the top 10, and neither should you. No, no, they they don't need to be in the top 10 at all. They don't even need to be in the top 15. Beating yeah. an unranked ACC team by a field goal, and I don't even know what division uh, Toledo's in. Dude, I think it's in Ohio is where they play from, but I, I can't tell you what division they're in. Maybe Mac? No I, I I don't know. It's such a weird – it was such a weird game. It was a really weird weekend for uh, sports. There was a lot that happened. Yeah. A lot happened this weekend. And it's just one of those weekends. I mean, college football can get crazy. Yes, and this was a really crazy weekend. And one we don't really have to go too deep into, but I like to talk about it a little bit, is Utah-BYU. 
big rivalry yes. there. Um, BYU wins this one. Shout out to Justin Garrett. Yeah, this one did surprise me. I had Utah winning this one. I didn't have them winning by a whole lot, but I did have BYU, or I didn't have BYU winning this one. But uh, man, I guess BYU can just produce really good quarterbacks because Jaron Hall. He only threw for 150 yards, but he threw for three touchdowns. He was 18 for 30. Um, he had a total QBR of 92.8. He went against a fellow, or I'm sorry, a uh, previous Big 12 member and Charlie Brewer. He played for the Baylor Bears. Um, he threw for 147 yards, a touchdown, and a interception with a total QBR of 44.7. Um, not too great, especially against an unranked team that you were projected to beat. Um, it's pretty upsetting. And we had a fellow OU. Uh, yeah. We lost him to the transfer portal. TJ Pledger only Pledger. carried it only carried it once at three yards. Yeah, so didn't really show too much. Um, like to see him use more maybe. Uh, always going to love fellow OU guys, former OU guys. Yeah. So. Well, he, uh, he did have a reception for five yards. They lost still. So. Yeah. But, and also, I forgot about this. Uh, Theo Howard is also a uh, – he played for OU last year and transferred to Utah as well with um, TJ Pledger. He had two receptions for 21 yards. So know, it's Utah's nice seeing – Utah's scraps. Yes, they do. And uh, they're not utilizing them enough yeah, is what it looks like. Yeah, not. But next topic is going to be something that happened today, actually. USC firing head coach Clay Hilton after their blowout loss. Yes, to an unranked Stanford team that got their – they got handled pretty easily by Kansas State. (laughs) Oh, goodness. But, yeah, they fire him uh, for good reason. But main thing we want to talk about is the candidates for this USC job. Um, California job, LA, a lot a big coaching destination, I would say. I mean, a lot of people want to go coach over there, bring USC to what it used to be. Yes. And so Los uh, Angeles Times actually did an article on this. And uh, I was thinking me and Ethan go through here and see what they have in the coaching rumors and see what we agree with or disagree with. And I can tell you this, the first one uh, is a really weird yeah, really, really weird choice. They got a uh, Matt Campbell as the first rumor, or I guess what they think could happen. Yes, I don't and... see Matt Campbell leaving Iowa State after he built uh, up what they are. I don't see him leaving Iowa State anytime soon. It's really weird to see. I don't understand this one at all. He's ha- he has a successful program. He also just signed an extension. Yeah, there's no way. There's no way. Now, the next one is Luke Fickle, Cincinnati head coach, which I do actually see this one possibly happen. I don't see it as much because, like uh, like Matt Campbell at Iowa State, he is uh, he's built a program that's successful, and a lot of people are thinking that they could even get into the college football playoffs. Um, I don't see him leaving Cincinnati. Yeah, James Franklin, Penn State. Um, this one's kind of wishy-washy for me. I'm not sure. Don't know much about him as a coach. Same with the next one, Kyle Winningham from Utah. 
I, I'll tell you this, out of all these so far, uh, Kyle Whittingham fits the most because they're not too successful. They've had some upsets, and if he wanted a location change, Southern Cal right there. Now, there are some ones that I am actually very interested in and would like to see. First one being Greg Schiano from Rutgers. Um, he's done well at Rutgers. Uh, I think he could do very well in U.S. Southern California. He worked under Urban Meyer. I think he's a good coach. Um, next one they have on this list, a little weird. Uh, Eric Bienemy. I don't remember how to say his name. Bienemy. Uh, and you think it's weird, but I got to tell you, I like it. I think Eric Bienemy needs to be a head coach right now. And it's shocking that he is only an offensive coordinator. I'm so high, <clears throat> excuse me, so high on Eric. Um, just look at his offense. Like, Kansas City has easily the best offense in the NFL right now. Um, their plays are smooth. Uh, they're complex, and he's he has this high IQ of football. I think he needs to be a head coach, either professional or collegiate, and – I think that that's a good opportunity for him just to yeah. showcase his head coaching abilities. I think he needs to be at USC. I was thinking uh, NFL for him. I think he's just too good. Uh, I think an NFL team should snatch him up immediately. Mm, they should, but then they hire they have, people yeah, like Urban Meyer. And, but that's for another time. Next, Bill O'Brien, Alabama offensive coordinator. This one actually isn't too bad. It's not too bad. I just don't see it happening. I don't see it happening. Next, Mark Stoops, Kentucky head coach. Sure. I mean, I, I don't know. I, yeah, some of these are really tough to just – these are just rumors. Um, don't really know how they would fit into that system. I know for a fact this is the next one. P.J. Fleck, who is the Minnesota head coach, yeah. is not leaving Minnesota. Nope. Um, I think he's tied to that program, and I think he and was I really like him. I watched him I, uh, against Ohio State. I thought his team looked great, and I just like him as a head coach. I love, I love him. He's one of my favorite uh, personalities in college football right now. Uh, he does a great job with his kids. Um. I, I think he's going to stay. I don't think he's going to leave anytime soon. The last one, the big one that we've been hearing a little bit about, Bob Stoops. Do you think he would take the job at USC? <laughs> no. Listen, <laughs> every time every time a head coach position opens up and it's a notable, uh, notable name, um, Bob Stoops is always yeah. mentioned. Stop! The dude is retired. He is not... No. He's not going to try and uh, diminish his legacy by going to USC. Stop thinking Bob Stoops is going to come out of retirement for that. Yeah, so who do you think the who they shire out of this list that we talked about? Who do you think the USC should look at the most? You thinking Eric Bieniemy? I'm thinking uh, Eric Bieniemy. yeah. I am. And I'll tell you one that also could be in the running and... I hope for this team, or for this team's sake, they really wish he was, uh, Mike Gundy. Yeah. Mike Gundy needs to get out of OSU because they are just going to be this mediocre team the whole time. 
Yeah. So mine is Greg Schiano. I think he would work great in the USC's program. Yes. Uh, next, one of my favorite parts about our podcast is the college pickums. This week we're doing something a little different. We're choosing ours off the spread. Yes, we decided to do this. Uh, it makes it a little more fun and uh, definitely a little harder. Um, this is easily the toughest pickums I've ever had to do in the history of. Yeah, playing. I was struggling. Me and Ethan do not know our picks. It's a surprise to y'all. It's a surprise to us when we each other pick. So let's start off with the big one. Our team, OU versus Nebraska. I have OU I I have OU covering the spread. Um, I have them winning. I I have uh, while we're doing this, I'll give my prediction of that score. Um, I I see fifty five twenty one. Yeah, I'm going forty eight fourteen that game. I just I don't think Nebraska is going to be ham. You're going to be able to handle anything. I don't think uh, I don't think their offense is as good. Um, Martinez, it feels like he's been there for 20 years. It literally feels like – I I don't remember the last Nebraska quarterback. I, I mean, it's probably game of the century. It seems like he's been there since then. It, it really does. Um, I Yeah, I have Nebraska not even phasing OU this weekend. Yeah, me either. Next, Cincinnati, Indiana. Oh, we forgot to say the spread is uh, 22 22 and a half. Uh, for this yeah. one, Cincinnati, Indiana, it's three and a half. I have Cincinnati covering easily. I yeah, I had that one was the easiest one for me. Yeah, I, I don't think immediately. I don't think Indiana's going to give Cincinnati any trouble. Uh, they didn't look good against Iowa. Um, I have Cincinnati winning that one pretty easily. Yeah, for that game, I guess we can give our scores for all of them. Yeah, um, um, I'll go thirty-five-seven. I'm gonna say. 28 to 10. Okay. Next is the Coastal Carolina Chanticleers versus the Buffalo Bulls at 10 and a half. I have Coastal Carolina covering once again. And I also have Coastal Carolina. I have, yeah. Um, Buffalo looked pretty rough against Nebraska this week. Yeah. And I think Coastal Carolina is just going to steamroll them. I got that one 28 7. I've got that one. Probably forty-one to seven. I think Coastal Carolina is gonna demolish them. So this next one might be the hardest one. Oh um, my god! West Virginia, two and a half versus Virginia Tech. This is they have okay. ESPN has West Virginia as the favorite by uh, two and a half. I have no idea. I, I'm this still is confused. The, I still not confused. I'm still unsure. I, I, I'm not very confident on either of these picks, either of them. I do have ooh, Virginia covering the spread. I have Virginia. I also have Virginia covering the spread. Virginia Tech. I think they can do it. Um, West Virginia, I don't think is all that good. No, they are not very good this year, in my opinion. But I think Virginia Tech isn't as good, but I think they will do just enough to get the W this weekend. And I I have – I'm thinking 28 to 25. Yeah, I'm thinking um, 21-14 on that okay. one. This next one, also super, super tough. 
Michigan State, Miami. Miami. Miami favorite at six and a half. I have Michigan, Michigan State. State. I have Michigan State as well. Yeah. Um, they look really good. Uh, they could run the ball this year really well. Um, Miami has not looked good. No, I they didn't look. They didn't look good against Alabama week one. They did not look good uh, week two against Appalachian State. Is that correct? Yeah, they almost yes. lost. They were losing yeah. in the fourth. Yeah, they. I, I'm really disappointed to not hear Charleston Rambo as much. Um, first of all, he shouldn't have left, but um, it's really disappointing because there were high hopes for this Miami team, and they're not living up to that hype at all this year. No, I got Michigan State 31, Miami 28. Um. I'm going to go Michigan State. I'm going to say 24 to 15. Okay. okay. Next, Alabama, Florida. Um, Alabama favorited 15 and a half. And I have Alabama winning that one by 15 and a half. This is where I get crazy. I got Florida. Huh? Florida covering. I don't know. Uh, Something about it. I mean, maybe you'll have the same success I did when uh, Oregon beat Ohio State, and I predicted that. Maybe you'll have that success, but I don't know. Alabama is just way too too good. And I'm thinking it over now. I think I'm still going to stay locked in with Florida covering, but – I, yeah, I think I'm I stay. could see it, but I don't think it's very likely. Yeah, so let's see. Um, yeah, I got Alabama thirty-five, Florida twenty. I've got Alabama fifty-five, Florida uh, fourteen. Whew. Yeah, I think it's going to be a butt whooping, like. Alabama's been doing. They did this uh, roughly the same score against uh, Miami. I think they're going to do it to both Florida teams, and this one's not going to be very fun to watch. Yeah, I don't know. I just have a gut feeling, and it may be the worst gut feeling I've ever had because I know exactly how good Alabama is. Mm-hmm. Um, I know they're going to win. Uh, yeah, it's just thinking. a matter of how much. Yeah, I'm gonna stay with that though. Next, Utah. And San Diego State, Utah favorited by six and a half. I'll take it. I like it. I think they can do just enough to beat San Diego State. I'm not very high on this team, but I do think they win by at least a touchdown. Yeah, yeah, I have Utah as well. Uh, score prediction, 28-14. Actually, we'll go 31-14. I'm going to say 17-10. to 10. Okay, okay. And now we have Auburn and Penn State. Auburn, I mean, Penn State favored by six and a half. Yeah. And I have Auburn. Um, that's where we're different. I have Penn State. I have Penn State covering. I like this Penn State team, and I think they take care of business, and my score for this is 31-21. Not bad. I have Auburn actually winning this one. 
Um, I'm going to say Auburn. This is a tough one, actually. 35-24. Okay. I'll take Auburn 35-24. I like that. All right. Now, this next one, though, is one that I had trouble with the whole time. Yeah, I was looking at this one. All right, um, for all you uh, Cowboy fans, the spread is Boise State, the favorite, minus four and a half against OSU. And I'm going to take Boise State. I think Boise State takes care of business. Yeah, I got OSU. Um, I think OSU wins it. I don't like saying it, but I nope. think OSU wins this one. I I don't think so. I, I think Boise State's going to take care of business, and I think uh, all the OSU fans are going to be upset because after week to week of confusion, I'm really confused as to what this OSU team is all about. You have week one where you play against Missouri State, who is, no offense, not very good, and um, you only win by a touchdown. Um, that's okay. Week one, your first week, you got the jitters. Fine, week one. However, week two, you go up against Tulsa, who has lost a lot of uh, key players, and you only win by – how many was it? It was uh, – Let's take a look. We got the access to the computer. It was going to be only by five. They won 28-23 against Tulsa. Yeah. You – I'm sorry. I think Boise State is a better team than Missouri State and Tulsa, and I think that they are going to – I think they're going to beat them. Hey, what's your score prediction for that one? I'm going to say Boise State 31, OSU – I'm going to say OSU 14. I'm going 21-7 OSU. Hey, what's going on, guys? It's Blair. Thank you for listening to the fourth episode of the Sooner Hour. Me and Ethan had a lot of fun making this one. Um, I'd like to give a few shout-outs. One to Cameron Morales. He's grinding out over there on Twitch. So go give him a follow at twitch.tv slash okcamo. The next one is the Hayseed Band. That is Ethan's dad's band. Um, They've been playing all over Oklahoma, doing a great job. And uh, I want you guys to go check out their Facebook page and uh, try to catch a show sometime. Thank you, guys. All right. And the last game is going to be Arizona State, BYU, Arizona State, the favorite by two and a half. I got BYU. I also have BYU. I I liked what I saw um, last week against Utah. I think they take care of business and upset another top 25 team. I like this BYU team. Yeah, uh, I got BYU. These are this work. It's tough. Yeah, I don't know how to score this one. Me either. I'm gonna go 31-21. Kind of close. I've got BYU 24-21. Okay. Okay, you got a little closer. Yeah, I think this is gonna be another dog fight. So remember those. Remember my Florida pick. If they lo- if uh, I get it wrong, don't remember it at all. Remember my picks because I was correct. Yeah. So the next thing we could talk about is going to be OU Nebraska. 
and the 50th anniversary of Game of the Century. Yes, and once again, uh, me and Blair will be there. Um, I want to sit front and center for this one because this was my most anticipated game of the season just because of the historical value of this game, like what it means for college football and the history of it. I am just ecstatic about this game and this matchup. I'm so excited. I wasn't sure if I was going. Made the decision earlier this week. Yeah, I'm going to be there. I can't miss a game like this. You can't. And we already talked a little bit about OU Nebraska earlier. Um, uh, we already think OU's going to destroy them. Yes. I'm ready to see Jaden Knowles back in uh, action after last week. I got the fever. Um, yep. But we can talk a little bit about Game of the Century. 1971, uh, I mean, it's called Game of the Century for a reason. The Nebraska defending national champions, they were on a 20-game winning streak, um, and they traveled to play the second-ranked Oklahoma Sooners. Uh, we had OU, this is long, way before our time, uh, head coach Chuck Fairbanks for OU and Bob Devonay for the Nebraska Cornhuskers. Um, just number one versus number two. This is back when Nebraska was good. Uh, a lot of people weren't born then who are listening to this now. Uh, you probably won't see it uh, in the next couple of years either. No, you're definitely not going to see it in the near future when you have your head coach, Scott Frost, who is the second worst uh, – he has the second worst win percentage in the history of Nebraska football. That is a pretty sad statement. Yeah, that, that does suck. It's uh, really – it's upsetting. If you're a Nebraska fan. If you're an OE fan, you'd love to see it because – this is one of those rivalries that doesn't get talked a whole lot. Um, the last meeting between OU and Nebraska, I believe, was in 2010 in the Big 12 championship. Um, this was the year before Nebraska uh, left. Um, and that game, I, I just recently went and watched uh, the highlights of it. Um, yes, it was played for the Big 12 championship, and it was December 4th, 2010. Um, it was OU won by 23-20, to 20, and it was a dogfight like all OU Nebraska games have been. Um, this is one of those teams that had uh, DeMarco Murray on it. And yeah. it was really weird to see those highlights and see all these players that have grown up and played out their careers or are still in it. Um, this was a fun one to watch. Especially if you want to go back and watch the highlights, I highly recommend that everyone watch the highlights of the game before they uh, watch or attend this Saturday. Um, this is one of my favorite rivalries that doesn't get played a whole lot. Yeah, if again, if you're going to the game this Saturday, send one of us a text. We'd love to see you guys. Um, but yeah, with the 1971 game, obviously we weren't alive. Um, we didn't get to watch the game, and they don't have many box score stats and stuff like that for the game. But what I can look no. at is um, we had quarterback Jack Mildren, who uh, all-American quarterback. Um, let's see what else. Just that this, like, the game of college football has changed so much since this. It's just crazy to look back and see, like, what it was and what it is now. Yeah, I mean, this was uh, the Sooners' time of the wishbone attack. 
quarterback Jack Mildren rushed for over a thousand yards, and I mean, you do not see that anymore. No, you don't. Like, not even. Uh, I don't think Kyler Murray rushed for a thousand yards his his uh, Heisman year. No. And so that's kind of a crazy thing to look at that they had their quarterback and their wishbone running for over a thousand yards. They also had a Heisman candidate, 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 Greg Pruitt, who averaged nine point five yards per carry that season. Yes, I this OU team was stacked with talent, um, and it was a close game. Um, it was uh, OU had the lead seventeen to fourteen at the half, and they came out and just. They needed one stop. Uh, unfortunately, Nebraska won 35-31. That, it was a great second half for them. Um, I'm really excited for this weekend and the historical value of this game. Yeah, I'm excited to see who they're going to bring out. Um, I'm sure they're going to bring out some people because I remember my time at OSU. We had the Thurman Thomas Day, an anniversary of something that happened that day, and that was incredible. I got to meet Thurman Thomas. Yes. And I didn't get to like sit down and have a conversation with them, but I shook his hand and then walked off because there were about 40,000 people wanting to meet him as well. But I'm no, hoping I, to see someone at this game. Yes. I w- just anyone. You, ha- I, you have to bring out someone for this game. Um, yeah. It's such a big deal. When We don't know the next time Nebraska will get beat by OU by this much, you know? Yeah, and that's exciting to think about. So, after that, we have our final topic, and it's actually something me and Ethan just finished watching together before we started recording this. Mm-hmm. We have Ravens versus Raiders, and what a weird and fun game. <laughs> and just to capitalize, like I said, on this really weird um, week weekend in football, there there's another upset. Who would have thought that the Raiders um, would have upset the Ravens, excluding Coach Wiley? Yeah, because man, I didn't think that this Raiders team was gonna beat the ball. I didn't think that they were gonna beat the Ravens. The Ravens have one of the top offenses in the league to me. Um, I thought that they, uh, I thought they had a good draft, um, and their defense is always pretty good. But tonight, they just gave up so much, like in high uh, tense situations. Um, it looks like this is going to be a pretty disappointing year for the Ravens. It's it's pretty early to say that, but when you lose week one to the Raiders and you you almost had it, you almost had it. You just – A lot of opportunities. So many opportunities for both of these teams. Um, with The biggest opportunity was the Raiders on the one-yard line. Throwing an interception in overtime. After choosing to receive the ball at the start of overtime, all they had to do was score, win the game, and Derek Carr makes a bad throw, and the Ravens pick it off, and you're like, wow. I I don't even think it was a bad throw. I think that um, the intended receiver just – It did uh, go right through his hands. It went right through his hands. If he would have closed up just a little bit, the game would have been over right there. But they turn it over. Ravens celebrate. Everyone's on Twitter and everything saying, yep, the classic Raiders. And Lamar Jackson gets the ball, and what does he do on third down? Fumbles the ball. Fumbles the ball. And from there, Derek Carr threw a beautiful – he was wide open. Yeah, off his Um, back leg. It was a weird throw, and as soon as I saw the wide open receiver, I knew that the game was over right there. 
I mean, what a way to capitalize this weekend of football. And the weird thing is that, so Ravens get down the field, kick a field goal, and there's only about 50 seconds remaining. And Raiders drive down, kick a field goal to send it to overtime. Raiders get ball at half, and there's a great throw to Brian Edwards, and he jumps and he hits the pylon and everyone comes on the field. They think game's over, the media's out there, they're shaking hands, and then they review it and it gets called back. So the Raiders already lose out on one scoring opportunity there. Yep. Now they're on the one. And as Ethan talked about, they rush up the middle, Derek Carr, nothing. Rush up the middle, Derek Carr, nothing. Throw a pick in the end zone. Second scoring opportunity, missed. And now you're I thinking, mean, wow, the Ravens, they have another chance. I mean, go win this game. And then Lamar Jackson, known for his rushing ability, fumbles. Fumbles. Of all yeah. things, Lamar Jackson fumbled. Yeah. That was the biggest shot for me. And Raiders going to win that game. And, I mean, I don't want to say the Ravens deserve it, but you had your opportunity. I mean, I don't necessarily think both teams deserve this one, but the Raiders, they weren't going to stop. Yeah. I I did like what I saw from them, though. Um, I do think that this is going to be a pretty exciting uh, Las Vegas team. Um, It just makes me scared, though because I don't know if they're going to be able to hang with uh, the likes of Kansas City, um, if they'll be able to hang with even the Chargers. Uh, I really like what I see from this Chargers team. I think they played a really good uh, Washington team because their defense might be the best in the league. Now, they might not have a top 10, top 15, or even top 20, or even top 25 offense. Yeah, it's pretty rough. But they know what they're doing on that defensive side. Yeah, I mean, they got Muskogee product, Cameron Curl, who mm-hmm. was one of the most surprised players from the draft last year. He balled out last year, and I think he's going to do the same thing this year. Yeah. But on that note, we can talk about fantasy football this week. Um, or we could. <laughs> in our league, we had, I was going up against Ethan. We played each other this week. Um, we can just talk about that a little bit. Um, so I had Josh Jacobs on the team and he was questionable the whole week. And I was like, Oh my gosh, they said he had an illness and I wasn't doing it. I wasn't like, it's such a close game. So I pick up Kenyon Drake off the waiver wire and then Josh Jacobs comes into the Raiders game and drops 17 points. So that worries me, but the ending score for me and Ethan was 146.56 me, 138.26 Ethan, the closest game out of all of our fantasy uh, anybody in the league. And Mike Gusecki for me dropped zero points. Ridiculous. But the I just want to give a... for me was Mike Evans. Yeah, I just want to give a quick shout out to Mike Evans, Mark Andrews, uh, Derek Henry. Thank y'all for balling out this week. Uh, <laughs> I really appreciated it. Oh, God. I just needed Mark Andrews to catch one touchdown pass. I just needed him to produce anything because Mike Evans, if I would have played Corey Davis over Mike Evans, I would have won that game. I would have had the first dub of the season against Blair, but nope. And my team, uh, I had Russell Wilson. He did great per usual, 27 points. McCaffrey, of course, I mean, 27 points. D-Hop, 26. Jarvis Landry came in and gave me 19, which I'm – Super happy about. And then... Yeah, I um, bet you are. 
Kenyon Drake, I was very worried. I was like, Ethan's going to beat me now. Kenyon Drake's in, and he's not getting the ball as much as Josh Jacobs. And then Kenyon Drake drops 12. When I saw Kenyon Drake was in for Blair's lineup, I was like, oh, my God. I did it. He was stupid and put in Kenyon Drake. I just won. But, uh, nope. I was wrong, and I lost this week. He wasn't the best choice, obviously, because – Josh Jacobs got five more points, but he worked, and he won me the game. And that's all that matters, you know, is just getting the win. So now we head into next week. Um, I will be playing Julius, and Ethan will be playing our friend Hayden for Minnesota. So and we'll I'm looking to smack down on Hayden. Go one and one. Let's see if I can go two and out. Um, and other good news, though, I did win my uh, money league. Um, I was projected to lose by 20 points, and I beat my opponent by 30, 35. So I'm pretty happy. It's a weird feeling. I'm happy and I'm not happy. I really wanted to beat Blair, but I won in my league where I went. I can win $1,000, and that is – that's pretty happy. That's pre- that's that's good news right there. Yeah, that's all I mean, that matters. You don't win any money here, but you lose a lot of pride. Yep, and I lost a lot of pride on that one. But that's okay. Because you always got next week. That's true. And uh, <laughs> before we head off, this is news that broke today. Um, OU will be playing West Virginia in the Palace on the Prairie in primetime ABC for the Big 12 season opener. And thank the Lord. I mean, too little, too late. If you saw my Twitter, you saw that tweet. I mean, once we start talking about leaving the Big 12 and joining the SEC. It's crazy how we get these primetime games. Crazy yeah, to me. Don't get it on the 50th anniversary of the game of the century. I, it still doesn't make a lot of sense. Um, it doesn't. And even like with this announcement, I would trade the West Virginia primetime game for yeah, Nebraska. Versus, well. It's That's a no-brainer. But, I mean, at least we get another primetime game. I'm not going to complain about it. It just makes me scared because I really hope that they're not just wanting, like, they're not shooting all these primetime games early in the season because I really want Iowa State um, versus OU at OU to be a primetime game in November. And um, I'll be pretty heartbroken if that one's during the day. I can live with it being at 3.30, but at 11, it's just too much. I don't know the last time I've seen OU kick off at 3.30, though. Yeah, it doesn't happen. It doesn't happen hardly ever. But that is going to wrap up this episode of the Sooner Hour. Um, I hope you all enjoyed. We will be back here probably Sunday, Monday, recording after the Nebraska game, hopefully with great news. I'm expecting great news, as is Ethan. Mm Mm-hmm. But yeah, we're heading out of here. Um, I hope you guys listen all the way through. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, peace out. Thank you all for listening.